Those are the lessons we want to learn for ourselves. Okay, let's, let's get into those. First, Jehoiah he, uh, hears. You'll notice in the text that the news that he hears was clear and the news that he hears was bad. First, it was clear. Chapter 22, verse 10 and 11. Moreover, Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. And it came about when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Why was such a dramatic response evident from just hearing the book? Well, let's read it for yourself. Okay, let's turn back to Leviticus chapter 26 and hear part of the words. We'll start in chapter 1. Imagine, while we read this, imagine that you are Josiah. You're the king. This word has just been found. You've never heard it before in your life. Now, the text tells us that this is the 18th year of his rule, so Josiah is about 26 years old by this time. Can you imagine? Never hearing the word of God until you're 26? Here's what he hears. This is a sample. 26 verse 1. You shall not make for yourselves idols, nor shall you eat up for yourselves, whoops, set up for yourselves. You can tell what my idol is. <laughs> okay. So Josiah hears the word, you shall not make for yourselves idols, nor shall you set up for yourselves an image or a sacred pillar. Nor shall you place a figured stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. Oops. What's Josiah thinking? We've done exactly every one of those things. We set up idols right in the temple. The temple built for worship of God. Idols are set up in there. Temple prostitutes have set up shop right in the temple grounds. And not only that. An idol is set up just down below in the, in the uh, Hinnom Valley. People have been sacrificing their children to the god Molech down there. Josiah realizes they've done the exact opposite of everything God said. Another example. Same chapter. Flip a page over to verse 27. And this is just a snapshot of what Josiah heard. Remember, he heard the whole thing. Listen to what the word of the Lord through Moses was. Verse 27. Yet in spite of this, if you do not obey me, but act with hostility against me, right, which they had done. That's exactly what they had done in Josiah's day. Look at what God promises in verse 28. Then I will act with wrathful hostility against you, and I, even I, will punish you seven times for your sins. Further, you shall eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters you shall eat. I then will destroy your high places and cut down your incense altars and heap your remains on the remains of your idols, for my soul shall abhor you. I will lay waste to your cities as well, and I will make your sanctuaries desolate, and I will not smell your soothing aromas. 
and I will make the land desolate so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled over it. You, however, I will scatter among the nations and will draw out a sword after you as your land becomes desolate and your cities become waste. You see why Josiah tore his clothes? The message was clear. There was no way to escape it. Josiah saw clearly from the word of the Lord. God had set something up, had set up a standard, had given a command, and they had done the exact opposite for hundreds and hundreds of years. So the news was clear. And by the way, the news was bad. The news was real bad. The news was as bad as it could get. Look at verse 15 and 17 of, of chapter 22 of Second Kings. The prophetess is speaking. And the Lord says through her. Because they have forsaken me. And have burned incense to other gods. By the way, the reason is given. And God, who doesn't change, is still interested in these two things. You see the reason for the judgment that's coming? Because they, for, they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods. The picture is, there is a real God, a powerful God, a holy God. One who commands and deserves worship. And they turned from him. And the second thing they did was they burned incense to false gods. They pursued other gods. That's always the way it is. That's always the way idolatry works. You turn from the fountain, the real fountain, and turn and follow your idols. Okay, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore, my wrath burns against this place and it shall not be quenched. Hello, Josiah. The news just got as bad as it could possibly get. Josiah was scared when he heard from the old document, right? The 800 or so year old document that Moses had put together. Oh, yeah, he was frightened when he read that. The prophetess confirms Josiah, yes, that's exactly what God's going to do, and he's not changing his mind. His wrath will not be quenched. It is going to happen. Now, what would you do at this point? What would you do? You know, there's plenty of examples when prophets spoke to the kings. The kings ignored them or killed them or persecuted them. Or chase them off. That would have been one response. Or maybe you could have taken a little softer response and just come up with excuses. Right? Josiah could have done that. He could have said, hey, it's not my fault. I'm just, I became king at eight years old. I'm only 26. I'm just learning this. It was my granddad. He was the guy. It's not my fault. This isn't fair. Well, that wasn't Josiah's response. So let's look at his response. Okay, let's look at verse 19. The prophetess records Josiah's response when she says, Because your heart was tender 
and you humbled yourself before the Lord. There is the response of someone who's heard from God. Tenderness and humility. Now you and I know from Scripture that tenderness and humility are extremely important. But, you know, we don't respect tenderness. We do not. Let me give you an example, okay? I'm going to give you an example of someone who was tender in a bad way. His name was Rehoboam, and it's in the book of Second Chronicles 13, verse 7. So if you turn there, it's just after Second Kings. If you remember Rehoboam, he was the son of Solomon. Under Solomon, the kingdom was united, all 12 Twelve tribes served under King Solomon. When Rehoboam came on the scene, he blew it badly. And his tenderness was related to that. Rehoboam, in Second Chronicles 13, verse 7. Scripture records, And worthless men gathered around him, that is, gathered around Rehoboam, Scoundrels who proved too strong for Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when he was young and timid and could not hold his own against them. Rehoboam was young. He was timid. That word for timid is the same basic word that we just saw in, in chapter 22 of Kings, Second Kings for tender. Timid. This is associated with youth. As parents, we all know our youth are susceptible to peer pressure, right? Kids are afraid to speak their mind. They're afraid to hold their own. They're highly susceptible to the influence of others. That's what we're talking about here. That's exactly what tenderness is. Now, this tenderness is bad when you're listening to other people, isn't it? Because people can influence you in the wrong way. But now listen. Isn't that tenderness good in response to God? Shouldn't you be readily influenced by God? When God says something, should your guard go up? Should you think, no, no, I don't want to be influenced too quickly. When it came to the Word of God... Josiah was tender. He was quickly and readily influenced by the Word of God. It sunk in quickly, like soft soil would receive a seed that's planted there. If you and I are those who easily harden our hearts against the Word of God, we are not tender. We're not being like Josiah was. Josiah was very tender. But how else did Josiah respond? Well, he hurt with tenderness, but he also hurt with humility. As soon as he heard the word, what did he do? He ripped his clothing. Now, we know that's common in the Old Testament, but nevertheless, I imagine he had some pretty expensive clothing on. The guy was the king after all. But without hesitation, he ripped his clothing. Note also... That's a sign of his own personal responsibility. He ripped his clothing. When he heard the word of God, his finger 
pointed right back at himself immediately. He knew he was wrong. He knew he had not been following God's word. Psalm 51 verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, these you will not despise. You know, if you hear God's word and you are not broken, you are not tender, you are not contrite, something is wrong. That is not the way to reformation. That is not the way to change. Isaiah 57.15 says, For thus is the high and lofty one in who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You hear that? God is paying attention to whether you and I are contrite, if we're tender, if we're humble. Isaiah 66, 2 says, For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Oh yeah, Josiah could have blamed somebody else. He could have blamed a long line of idolaters going all the way back hundreds of years. The ones who had brought his nation to the verge of destruction. But instead, Josiah humbled himself. My dearly beloved, that is what we need to do. Each one of us. As we examine our own hearts for idols. We need to be tender. We need to hear what God says. Okay, so we've learned from Josiah. He's done two very important things. He heard the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord was clear. The second thing he did was he hurt. He hurt with tenderness, and he hurt with humility when he heard it. And the third thing he did was he went hunting. Josiah didn't stay there on his knees doing nothing. Josiah got up and took action. And this is a place where many of us drop the ball. And we can't afford to do that. So let's look at Josiah. Grab your Bibles and look at Second Kings chapter 23. And as we read through here, I want you to get a handle on some of the things that Josiah actually did. Okay, then we'll cover them. I'm going to read 11 verses. Second Kings 23. Then the king sent and they gathered to him all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord. And all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord. And to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul. To carry out the words of this covenant that were written in the book. And all the people entered into the covenant. 
Now buckle your seatbelts. Verse 4. The king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priests of the second order, and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal, for Asherah, and for all the hosts of heaven. Now he gets started. And he begins where? Right there at home, right there in the temple. And notice what he brought out. The vessels that were made for Baal and for Asherah and for all the hosts of heaven. Now that is disgusting to me that in the temple of God these idols could be set up. Is it not? Isn't that amazing? This temple where the Shekinah glory of God dwelled, it was there. It was still shining at this point. We know from Ezekiel that it hadn't left yet. The book of Ezekiel actually records that glory leaving. But at this point, the temple has the shining glory of God in it. And what is in there? Disgusting idols. Let's go on. Verse 5. He also did away with the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had appointed to burn incense in the high places and in the surrounding area of Jerusalem. Also those who burned incense to Baal, the sun, and to the moon, and the constellations, and all the hosts of heaven. Now look at verse 6. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord outside to outside Jerusalem to the brook Kidron and burned it at the brook Kidron and ground it to dust and threw its dust on the graves of the common people. He also broke down the house of the male cult prostitutes which were in the house of the Lord where the women were weaving hangings for the Asherah. Then he brought out all the priests from the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba. Stop right there. You see what he's done? He started in the house of the Lord. Now he's moving on out. They've got a hunting party. Do you see that? This hunting party is purposeful. And they are moving on out. Okay, that's enough. In the interest of time, let's talk about what we've read. Because two things are important for us. We need to note first off, that Josiah gained committed allies before he attacked reform head on. He gained those committed allies. And I want you to notice how he did it. He gathered them all together and read them from the book. Wow, that's kind of a lot like we're doing right here, isn't it? Josiah gathered all the people and read to them from the book. The next thing that happened was he stood up by himself and made a covenant before God and in front of all the people. He was serious. Josiah put himself on the line. Now, this is important for us because I want you to think about if you're willing to put yourself on the line. A lot of times we talk about reform and change, but we're not willing to tell folks what we're doing. What exactly is our problem? What exactly has the Word of God told you? And what exactly are you going to do about it? When was the last time you confessed that to somebody else? You know what? Your reform and mine would be a lot more successful if we would get with it and follow this example. Read from the book in the presence of God's people. Make a personal commitment 
to let them know where you're going. And then what happened after that? Well, what happened after that is at the end of verse three says, and all the people entered into the covenant. They signed up as well. Now, Josiah had an army, an army of reform. And then they attacked reform head on. So after gaining committed, committed allies, they went out and did something. Now, make no mistake. This reform was deadly. If you're an idol. You're going bye bye. You're going away Their Their intent was to eliminate the idols. Think about it. What else are you going to do with an idol in the temple? There's an idol in the temple. What are you going to do with it? You're going to get rid of it. And not only are you going to get rid of it, you're going to take it outside and you're going to burn it. And after you've burned it, you're going to grind it to powder. Now, is that overkill or what? Listen, brothers and sisters. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, are you not? We know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The glory of God through Christ dwells in you. What are you going to do with that idol that's in there? What have you been looking at that's impure, that's filthy? What have you been desiring in your heart for? What have you been trusting in that is not Christ? Like the choir is saying, we have a fountain, right? We have a fountain and he is the Lord. Christ is our fountain. Everything good flows from Christ. He dwells in us. We are the holy of holies in that sense. We have the spirit of God in us. Brothers and sisters, there's idols in there. And they're disgusting and they're despicable and they foul up the glory of God that's in there and they shouldn't be in there. And what are we going to do with them? We're going to systematically go on the attack. You see, Josiah started with the temple, right? And then he just spiraled out and every idol he came on, bang, that idol was gone. Notice some of the words Josiah used. He were... Uh, the text describes words like brought out, burned, ground to dust, did away with, broke down, defiled. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to be heroes of reformation, that's what we need to do as well. Don't we? We need to get with it. Okay, so let's review. This is good stuff. Josiah... The boy king became a king when he was eight years old. When he was 26 years old, he heard the word of the Lord. And when he heard the word of the Lord, he was so hurt by it. He was so devastated by it that he realized they had done the exact opposite of what God's word said. And when he realized that, he tore his clothes, he humbled himself. And then he did something about it. He took God's word. He met together with God's people. And he got some allies together. And they went after the idols. Interestingly, after Josiah died, judgment of God came. Nebuchadnezzar's armies came in four years later. 
took over Jerusalem. A few years after that, the temple was destroyed. So you think, you might think, well, what good did it do? Here's Josiah, one king. He inherits a crummy kingdom, a kingdom that's already slated for the ash heap of history, at least until the Lord returns, right? (laughs) We know the end of the story. But this kingdom is going down. Why? Because of the disobedience. Josiah didn't have anything to do with that. And by the way, after Josiah died and his son took over, his son was an idolater. His son was disobedient. And yet, Josiah shines out to us like a bright light of reformation. He's our hero. Why? Why is a boy king in a dying kingdom, a guy who dies at 39 years old, a guy whose son was an idolater, why is he our hero? Why do we look up, why do we, when we read in Scripture, our hearts exalt and say, whoa, way to go, Josiah. Why is that? The answer is because he did exactly what he could do, right? He was a steward of the time he had and his place in history. Hey, look, we are not kings. We are not government officials. We don't make laws. But we are stewards. We are stewards of something very precious indeed. What is that? Our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. We are stewards of the Holy of Holies, our own heart, our heart, your heart. God made you the steward of your heart. And you know what? Many of you have idols in there. How do I know that? Well, I know it because I'm one of you, first off. And I know it also because the New Testament tells us to avoid idolatry over and over again, right? Over and over again. Just one example. In Colossians chapter 3, please turn there. Colossians chapter 3. This section, by the way, is speaking to Christians. These are believers. These are those who have trusted in Christ. And that much is obvious if you just look at the first verse of chapter 3. It says, If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Is there any doubt that he's writing to believers? None at all. He's writing to people who have believed that message. That in Christ, when you place your faith and trust in him, you die to yourself. Right? You're dead to sins. You're alive. You're walking in newness of life. But note what he says in verse 5. Look at that. He says, Therefore... Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, 
and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Idolatry, there it is. You know, we don't, we're not in the habit around here of worship, worshiping statues, are we? Not in this church. We don't worship statues that I know. I can't think of any person in this church that worships a statue. If you are, don't do that, okay? <laughs> Turn from that. But here's what we do do, this kind of stuff. Greed. Ouch. What is greed? That lustful longing, that strong desire for money, for materialistic resources. It's covetousness. It's a strong desire for something else. That If you had it, if you just had that thing, your life would be better. We do that. Now, let me tell you, let's be clear about it. That is idolatry. Why? Because there's only there's only one fountain. There's only one Lord. There's only one source of life. There's only one worthy of all our devotion, all our praise, all our worship. And that is Christ himself. And in Colossians here, when it says, consider the members of your earthly body. It's talking about that proactive approach. That's hunting there. That's uh, other versions say putting to death. The deeds of the body. Other, another version may say mortifying the flesh. That is hunting. That's going after something with the purpose of destroying it. That's what we're talking about here. That's what God's people are to be after. So, my dearly beloved, you and I, we must hear the Word of God. We must hear it. That's the only way we know what God wants. That's the only way we're going to know what the mighty God, creator of heaven and earth, wants for our lives. And after we hear it, our hearts must be tender. We must respond to it immediately. We must allow it to affect our thinking. We must hurt. We must allow ourselves to be convicted. And after that, we must go on the attack. We must go hunting. Why? Because those idols of the heart will destroy our fellowship with God. They will destroy our ministry. They will destroy our relationships. And they will bring, they will bring judgment. They absolutely will. So let's turn to Revelation. I'll close with this one. With this verse in Revelation. Chapter 22. Starting in verse 6. Apostle John writes, And he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must shortly take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy 
of this book. Look at verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. Dearly beloved, there's only two responses a steward can make. Only two when the idol is there. Reform and get it out of there. Or to do nothing and leave the idol. You and I can either leave the idol there and, and know for sure we're going to expect the judgment of God. Or, or we're going to be the heroes of reformation in your life. We're going to renounce that idol and we're going to turn to Christ. We're going to get cleaned up and we're going to move it on out for the glory of the Lord. Amen. Brother Ron.